and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, Axel? It is okay. I had some chicken and some molasses cookies, which are the bomb, and I watched a couple movies. Um, so, you know, solid day. First thing you were going to say you had chicken and molasses, and that's just not a combo I can see. I mean, chicken and waffles is a thing. That's not too far away from it, I guess. No, no. All right, so we're going to start every episode by thanking the people that make this possible. Those are our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, and Anne Elmquist. I like the name Elmquist. We're starting to get some length on this. This is good. Uh, if you'd like to, you know, get name-dropped in one of our episodes, just head on over to patreon.com and donate a dollar. It'll only cost you 25 cents an episode, and you have no idea how much that helps with the overall production and making this whole thing possible. And as far as patrons are concerned, we're joined today yet again by patron and friend, Chris Chipman. How's it going, New Sparta? So, we are here for part two of the Spielberg Smackdown. This one's called The Avenging. So, we had a long, feisty discussion, I guess we'll call it, and we weeded out a lot of movies. And we are down to the final list of Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Schindler's List, Lincoln, AI, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, Adventures of Tintin, and Duel. Now, with all that said, after recording of our previous episode, Chris came to me with a very impassioned discussion and convinced me that maybe we took one movie off too soon. And that movie was Temple of Doom. I will now hand it over to Chris to let him explain why he feels that Temple of Doom should be put back up for consideration. All right, so here's the problem, okay? We're looking at all these Spielberg movies and we're thinking, what's the one thing that requires a Spielberg movie to stay? So I think in this horrible PC world we're living in right now, we should celebrate films that dare to push the boundaries. Down with the SJW snowflakes, Spielberg, the OG alt-writer. Uh, <laughs> True I words have, have never been spoken. I, 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 I am my brain scrambled. You don't agree with Chris's impassioned plea? No, <laughs> in no way do I do. So I don't know if take it seriously or not. But I mean, uh, okay. Here, here's what I'll, I'll put forth. Um, we've got one Indiana Jones movie in the list, which is Raiders. So unless you can make an argument that Temple of Doom is more worthwhile to be on the list at this point than Raiders, I think we leave it off. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm actually quite amazed at, at how, how angry we got you there. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's just I have no idea how to respond to that. So you, that, was one, okay. that was 100% a joke. Um, me, <laughs> I, I know, I know. Was, that's why I was like, it took me like half a second to be like, okay, I know Chris enough that I don't think that's his real point, but I don't know how to, how to clutch on that. So, so, so we, we just wanted to have some fun. Ulrich and I had been offline going back and forth about, um, uh, about how he still gets angry at a lot of the Spielberg movies that I like. And so we just thought it would be funny to start the thing with controversy. Okay. <laughs> oh, dude, Ulrich, I think we got him good, man. The scrambled oh, yeah. brain comment. Uh, I actually threw up in my mouth a little bit having to say those things that I wrote. <laughs> I'm so glad that this is, you can't see me because I was dying laughing on my side trying to keep it together. 
All right. With that aside, let's start can I, from can the I, top. Actually, can I interrupt? And I think we shouldn't start from the top for one main reason, which is there were a handful of these movies that um, I hadn't seen and that I know you, Ulrich, hadn't seen the last time we talked. And Ulrich hasn't had time, I think. He's been a busy guy with you know, kid and stuff to, to really catch up. But I've watched a handful of these movies that I hadn't seen. So if you don't mind, I'd like to lead a little bit here through some of those that we hadn't actually really talked about. Okay, maybe we can uh, get some off the list. Okay, well then, first, I want to bring up Duel, which I just finished watching about a couple hours ago. And that movie is awesome. And I was surprised to find out. I looked up on the Wikipedia. It said that it's was Steven Spielberg's film debut, actually. So that's that's correct. Yeah, and that was so. For anyone who doesn't know, Duel, which came out in 1971, as we kind of mentioned last time, is about this guy who's driving this uh, this Plymouth, um, this tiny little car, and he passes this guy in a big truck like the kind of truck that's carrying you know gasoline like that kind of truck he passes him on the the highway and then the truck passes him and so then he passes him again and doesn't realize that the guy driving the truck is a psycho and then the rest of the movie is him the guy in the truck well actually it's more accurate to say the truck because we never see the guy and that's on purpose because the villain is supposed to be the truck like itself not the driver like you're supposed to be see the truck as the villain anyway point is it's chasing him down it is trying to kill him or at least scare him at least at first and then it's definitely trying to kill him and one of the first things i want to say that i noticed with this movie is that knowing that it's about this truck going in i was very what's the word i, I was very alert to how the camera dealt with reflections like the camera is very smartly positioned and again, Spielberg directing debut, but so that your eye is drawn to like, like there'll be a, a shot where it's the guy driving, but you can see just a little bit of like his side mirror and your eye is like drawn to it. And you can see just a little bit of the truck behind him. And it's not even like the actual chase hasn't started yet, but he does that repeatedly like throughout the movie where you have this whole big kind of, you know, tableau of what's going on. And then your eyes drawn to, all right, where's the truck? And there's a, there's a tire. Oh, oh. And it, it helps build this kind of tension. I started to feel like this is, is this like what Halloween would be like if Michael Myers was just a truck? That's a great analogy. That's a perfect analogy. Cause I know this movie by reputation and I know there was a great, uh, episode of tiny tune adventures where they parodied this. Am I the only one that remembers that episode? Oh I no, I remember it. it. I love it. There's one scene where they're in the diner and they look over and the truck is literally being chased by a truck is sitting in a booth hiding behind a newspaper. Ah, <laughs> see in, in the actual movie, the scene is, is really great because it's, he stops after he thinks he's let the truck essentially go past him. He thinks he's gotten away. This is after the first time the truck was chasing him at like 90 miles per hour. He goes into this diner, he goes into the bathroom and he's like washing his face. And the whole time he went in there, I was like thinking, all right, he's going to go out there and the truck's going to be there. So I knew that was going to be the case. It didn't change the fact that when he comes out, looks out the window, sees the truck, the the music change and how the 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 scene and the look on his face, I still felt the impact of like his fear. Then he sits down and he's just like looking at all the people sitting in the diner and try the only thing he's seen of the guy so far is his boots. I'm like, well they were stuffed for gas earlier. So he's like looking at everyone's shoes and it's a really tense scene. It's very well done. 
I'm I'm really glad I fought for Duel to stay here just just for you getting to see it alone because it's it's one hell of a movie and um everyone kind of forgets it because it it gets overshadowed by Jaws a little bit in the early career um but man is it's just a powerhouse of a movie and it was made for film and it played in theaters but I believe it was a Showtime produced film uh, if I'm well, not mistaken according to what I read online it's it's labeled categorized as a made for tv movie and because of that it's apparently it's got accolades as being considered one of if not the best made for tv movie ever made so well this this yeah. right up there with uh john frankenheimer was big in the beginning of his career and made for tv films too so they were kind of the the two directors they compared um in that respect that's how spielberg kind of got into the twilight zone stuff what what I thought was interesting, and maybe you can give me some insight into into this, Chris. Um, but there was there's some scenes near the the second half that are extremely repetitive, but didn't feel that way. Like I was I was literally sitting there, and like in my out of body experience, I was like, okay, all they're doing right now is they keep alternating between close ups of the driver's face and like close ups of the truck, and I should be irritated with this but i was still like really invested i mean he was being chased in life in a situation but i was just surprised at how i feel like this movie is using exceptionally simple film uh camera tricks to get across very powerful tension like successfully and i was really surprised and impressed by it if that makes any sense yeah no i completely agree it's um it's all editing and camera tricks and perfect pacing that you know you see throughout even the worst and worst is a hard term. Cause I don't think there's any outright terrible Spielberg films, but there's some that come close just from being miscalculations. But the, the expert craft of staging a shot and pacing a scene, um, you could see it even as early as here. And it, it's amazing to me, you know, um, I, I had talked about how, uh, like for instance, with war of the worlds, even though we, we had taken it off of this list, it's great to see every once in a while Spielberg delve back into horror because duel is a horror movie. Duel is a slasher movie with a truck. Um, and to, to not really see him touch on that, but to see that show up in his movies um, is really cool. Temple of doom particularly um, does a lot of it. Um, AI does a lot of it. Minority report did a lot of it. Um, so it's interesting to see, it go as far back as like, you know, your debut is like you called it Halloween with a truck. And um, it's interesting that he hasn't gone full back into that genre again. Yeah. And two more things I definitely want to say about Jewel is one, I already am scared of big trucks on the road. The sheer amount of power and weight behind them make me like kind of tense up when I have to drive past one or be around one. So turning one that's actively hostile in the movie is definitely playing on I think a powerful fear of mine, especially. And two, I want to point out a very, there's a very specific scene that this is kind all right, I'm going to spoil this part. The movie's still worth watching for anyone even now, but there's a moment where the guy in the, or the truck, I should say, moves from intimidation to outright attempted murder. And the moment is very simply like the guy's pulled over. He's at this weird kind of, you know how on the highway we have those kind of side attractions, but they're little tiny weird ones. It's, it's like a snake farm essentially you go there to look at rattlesnakes but he, he goes in they have a, a toll booth so he goes and he's calling the cops and the truck is parked like half a block up and the truck turns around 
and tr- runs over the toll booth and he gets out just in time. But at that, that's like the moment that the movie switches from everything he's done up to that point was intimidation. And now he's actively trying to murder him. And everything about that scene was done like perfectly. And it gives this feeling of like, this truck is a- out of its goddamn mind. So, and it was so, so effective as very impressive. So, okay. Well, I think duel is going to make it out of this round. I think just for the fact that this is Spielberg's debut and it was so good for something being so simple, yes, it should. Okay. I so agree. Let's change this up. Let's maybe try and pick off some of the weaker ones. And I want to talk about the poop alien, E.T. Okay. Chris, I know you love this one, but you took you Last Crusade really, for me. You really want me to fight for E.T.? Yes, because we've like, had better versions were, since then. Stabbing- you were stabbing my childhood in the face right now. The future is now, I, old man. I like the visceralness of that particular image. <laughs> Seriously, you you are punching my childhood through the internet. See, you and you're younger my than childhood. me. Hold on, hold on, you're wrong, though, because it's not that Chris has to defend it, because I want E.T. to make it through this round, too. You have to convince one of us that it doesn't deserve to make it at least till the next round. So the, the impetus is on you as far as the debate is concerned. Spoiler alert, you're never convincing me, so have fun. So yeah, you got to convince me to let it go out this round. Like, I don't think E.T. would make it all the way to the end, but I'm I, not I also, I also agree with round. that statement. I also agree with that statement. E.T. would not top this list for me. All right. But it's enough. up there. Okay, so E.T., it's a good movie. I watched it as a kid. I mean, it was one of those ones we had on VHS. But the biggest reason I think we can get rid of E.T. is it's been done better. It's been done better in Iron Giant. And more recently, it's been done better with Bumblebee. I mean, one, come on. He's a turd alien. He's small and brown and lumpy, and he turns white when he's left in the sun. You can say that over and over again. It's not going to change the fact that the emotions as children we had with this alien were real. So I don't care what you call him. I'm just saying facts. And emotions, uh, I don't know. I got more emotional feelings for Iron Giant and a little bit with Bumblebee. I mean, both tell the same story of child, possibly of divorce or troubled family, find strange friend from outer space, government becomes involved and tries to kill, take away, destroy, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And we've already established precedent. If somebody else does it better, we're taking it off the list. And again, Iron Giant, Bumblebee, both probably better than E.T. I would also say... You have twisted the you have twisted the precedent, though. If either one of those movies was part of the list, you would be completely right. But they are not part of the list because they are completely different creators so i would agree with you that this is deleted from the universe if et is deleted from the universe we still will get iron giant and bumblebee we uh, you don't know that exact by by your very you, you by, show by your very argument by your very argument if they are the same thing but done better and came much later then they are it i don't think it's far of a stretch to say they are heavily inspired by and or are homages to et meaning that deleting them from the universe might very well delete both those from the universe too. And if we're having a conversation I'm... about the same filmmaker, that's one thing. And, but having other filmmakers, just because something else has done something better, doesn't mean the original isn't itself good. I mean, I could argue, and this is, I know, a stretch here, but I could argue that like something like The Lion King is, if not better, a more accessible version of Hamlet. But doesn't make Hamlet itself like no longer valuable, you know? 
I am willing to bet that if we go back enough, far enough back in the timeline, there is an old movie from the 30s or 40s that does the E.T. storyline that inspired E.T. I think the whole concept of a boy and his dog is a simple enough cultural story that we're going to see it again. And yes, E.T. is a good movie, but has it necessarily aged well? I mean, has Spielberg released the unedited version yet? Or are we still stuck with the walkie-talkies? Okay, so I that's, the walkie-talkie version was erased from history. You cannot get it. Okay, so that is a point in its favor. Look, but E.T., every frame of the film E.T. is a goddamn painting. It should be hung on a wall in a museum. I wouldn't I st- go that far. I saw a very strong memory. Go back and the, watch the movie on Blu-ray. Holy shit. I saw very the strong movie- memories of that scene with the, the, the guys in the hazmat suits and the fucking tube of plastic. It's like haunts me. Now, to be fair, one thing I will say is I think both of your arguments there were actually quite good. Um, I was surprised that I was actually kind of agreeing with a lot of what Elric said there. But I think for the sake of the fact that we're going to want to do more than one of these, from what it sounds like, with different directors, that I think leaving the fallout to just within the confines of the director's work makes sense. So um, I won't allow for myself for your argument that iron giant is a better version of et dissuade my thoughts on et but i also don't think iron giant is erased if et goes away so we can leave um we can leave it just to spielberg's films now my argument towards et was that spielberg has delved into the alien genre a few times it's one of his sticks um we already knocked off the worst of them which is kingdom of the crystal skull and that can just die forever somewhere with shia labeouf's acting career now war of the worlds and close encounters of the third kind there's going to be a lot of people listening to this saying oh my god chris how can you like et more than close encounters of the third kind because et i feel is a personal movie et i feel is spielberg after the success of jaws and the failure of 1941 kind of going back to the well and it's kind of like Kevin Smith with Clerks too. It's very personal. And I have a hard time when a director bears his all to just be able to discredit it by saying it doesn't age well if it's something very personal to him. So I have a hard time taking E.T. off the list, like I said. But I don't have a problem with it dying here if it has to, but I won't vote for it to die. All right, ask, let me ask you this. We're hanging out, and I say we can watch E.T., we can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which are you going to pick? I will pick Raiders in that list, yeah. Okay. Now, we established the only reason we took Last Crusade off the list is because Raiders is a better version than that. Yes, but where you're going is that it doesn't work in this case because Raiders and E.T. are not at all the same thing. By your same okay, no. by your same argument, if you asked me would I rather watch Jaws or E.T., I'd say E.T. Let me get to my point. So, we've established that you'd rather watch Raiders, because Raiders is the better movie, yes? In your opinion. In my personal opinion, yes. So, if I did the same thing between Raiders and Last Crusade, which are you going to choose? I'm going to say that as a better movie, I'd say Last Crusade. Not which is a better movie. Which are you going to want to watch? Probably Last Crusade, still. (laughs) No, taking Last Crusade off, but we're going to keep E.T. Yeah. Why? That really burns you, huh? Yes, because Last Crusade and Raiders were two of my childhood favorites that I watched Me over too, and over dude. again. Do you, do you know how? Do you know how hard? The, like I, I mourned this list the last time because, unfortunately, with Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, 
those were the two. Like everything else on here is hard enough to lose, but you put either of those two movies next to each other. Raiders is the first one I saw, but Last Crusade is the first one that like my dad rented from the store and brought home and was like, Oh, you gotta see this. It's another Indiana Jones movie. You know? So uh and I, I absolutely love that movie, but I think I think we already made the arguments against the two last time. I know, um, I'm just saying we're keep we're saying that here, he here. But, but no, but but we have to let a Spielberg movie live. And so what you're saying right now is we're kind of bracketing them at this point. And you're right. You put the heavy hitters up against each other. You can't put E.T. and A.I. up against each other because that's going to knock A.I. off the list right now. You can't put E.T. and um, Tintin up together because it's not going to knock Tintin off right now. But you put E.T. and Raiders, that is the one place in this whole conversation where you've convinced me that E.T. leaves. I'm but the, prob- the problem is that comparing those two should be something that happens in a later round. You want to compare them later? Sure. But for now, when we got all these other things on the list, E.T. is not the target. I'm just saying. E.T. has always been his target. I think when we first had this conversation on Twitter, E.T. was your goddamn target because you you just hate childhood Chris and you're going back in time like in the fucking butterfly effect and punching me in the face. Also, here's why your argument doesn't doesn't work in my my opinion and anyone i've got a few friends out there who say that i use debate tactics improperly when it comes to like trying to crush my friends when anyway point is the whole like oh would you rather watch raiders or et then would you rather watch uh last Crusade than raiders that's like saying hey would you rather have a, you know this orange or this you know mcdouble and most days, I'm going to say, uh, give me the orange. And then you say, all right, would you rather have this orange or this pineapple? I'm going to say, all right, give me the pineapple. Like two of those things are the same thing with one of them being a, a better version of the same thing. And one of those things is a completely different thing that requires a completely different mood and sense of taste and like what I'm into at the time to matter. So putting E.T. in that same kind of bracket is not appropriate at this juncture. Fine. I will say for my closing argument, the reason I bring this up is the reason we took Last Crusade out was because we said that it was too close to Raiders and we had Raiders. And I am arguing that Last Crusade is a better film than E.T. by virtue of we still have Raiders. So if we're going to keep Raiders, we deserve to drop E.T. That is I a- see I am outvoted. <laughs> That is a, also is a, a failed deductive set of deductive reasoning. But anyway, you're a failed set of deductive reasoning. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> no. All right. You want to go to a target that I think we can get rid of this time, even though I really like it. Catch me if you can. I, I, I watched that. Uh, I remember watching it a long time ago. I didn't really remember it. So I went back and rewatched it. And while I still really like it, I feel like that's the kind of thing that's appropriate to get rid of in this particular round. Cause like, for, have you seen catch me if you can or, I think I saw it once. That's the one with DiCaprio, right? Correct. DiCaprio plays uh, Frank Abagnale, who's this guy who at the age of uh, 16 in the movie, was 15 in reality because it's based on a real-life guy, which is pretty cool, starts basically doing check fraud. He uh, forges checks, kind of. He finds a bunch of different interesting ways to do that. He pretends to be a co-pilot so he can go across the country doing this. He's being chased by Tom Hanks' FBI agent. It's a fun movie that's biggest strength, as far as I'm concerned, is in camera work, actually. I I mean, DiCaprio's performance is great, and I actually love that Tom Hanks is playing a very grumpy kind of character, but he's Tom Hanks, so he's still super likable. But the camera movements are playful, if that makes any sense. Like, there's a scene in the middle or so where Tom Hanks is going to a door, 
like a hundred dollar bill comes out from under the door and then floats up in the air and Tom Hanks just watches it. And the camera is static as this dollar bill kind of like floats around him. And then like, it's slightly like follows the dollar. It's, it's just the kind of shot that I was like, that's just a fun, it's a whimsical shot. And it's kind of a whimsical movie considering it's about, you know, bank fraud, but see, I remember liking this movie. So I'm kind of having trouble. Why? What about Tintin? Are we going to keep Tintin? Let's put these I, two up together. Oh, if you're going to put those two together, I'm going to say Tintin, definitely. Because uh, I watched Tintin today for the, the whole thing. And that whimsicalness I'm talking about, Catch Me If You Can has, Tintin has that as well, but in far stronger... Here's the thing. like Chris made a comment last time we did this about how, t- how Spielberg shot Tintin in the special way that allowed him to essentially film it like it's a real kind of thing, but, using, but in an animation. That is true... But also he he capitalizes on the ability of it being animation to do kinds of shots that, if not impossible, would be ridiculously expensive in reality. Like, example, there's a, a scene near the end. It's a chase for three slips of paper. That That's it. And it's through this... Um, morocco kind of city and it's a it's a long shot now long shot doesn't really mean anything quote unquote animation but if if this wasn't animation that'd be considered one of the best long shots like in film history i tell you and it's gorgeous and beautiful and he does this kind of thing throughout the whole movie where i get the feeling he's like all right i'm gonna use the the medium of animation to do the kind of things that i want to do in film and can't no, see, that's the kind of thing. I think we can reasonably cut both of these. I haven't seen Adventures of Tintin. I was never really drawn to see Adventures of Tintin. And I haven't seen Catch Me If You Can since I saw it that one time. I, I will not. I'd, be, I'd go back and watch it. But looking at this list and saying we got to trim the fat, I think those are two easy ones we can really cut out now. Because, I mean, we got some real hard ones coming up. And I think these are the easy ones to cut now see you haven't seen it so i can't tell you I, i'm gonna tell you right I'm just now saying i haven't it. felt a desire to yeah and, and with catch me if you can i understand but you need to see Avengers of Tintin. the thing is awesome you want to cut catch me if you can like i said i'm fine with that it but Tintin, i want to keep for now you want to keep Tintin for now yeah i think okay Tintin. then i'm gonna say all right so I'm gonna I, I i agree remember Tintin. Tintin eventually is going to have to get pitted up against Raiders. So you think we, it's good enough got, to go up against Raiders? Well, here's the thing: when have Chris you, said this earlier, and it? I very much agree with him that watching Tintin, I was like, "This does feel like an Indiana Jones movie, but animated." And it's oh, um, like I said, my favorite thing about this about Tintin, especially, is the idea of like it does these things where there's a scene where like this guy's holding something and the the camera goes into his hand and then the hand transitions to like a desert dune with the two main characters on horses. It's like, and I was trying to think about any other animated movie I've seen that does things like that. Like, okay, one of my favorite animated movies ever is Aladdin, right? I love Aladdin, but look at the genie song, right? The genie song is great, but even in that song where you've got the super magical character doing super magical things, the camera generally is static. It does a few movements. Generally things come into the camera, but I can't think of that many animated movies where the camera feels like a character itself. And Tintin accomplishes that, you know? Okay. And remember, like I said, they created that for Spielberg because he wasn't comfortable working in the motion capture world or hadn't done it before. So they created an ability for him to move a camera around within it and then told their 
animators in the computer to follow his camera movements with the actual tracking shots. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, okay, I, I, uh, I made a comment earlier about the the long shot at the end during the chase that was like amazing to me in Tintin. I was jaw dropping. Oh yeah, T- Tintin could easily be if you replace the main character with Indiana Jones, it could be a direct sequel to Raiders. Like it's just thematically, tonally in that same exact genre, even more so than Last Crusade. Last Crusade is doing more and different things with Indiana Jones. Tintin is in the Raiders ballpark. And I loved well, that about it. Well, Tintin is a pure adventure movie. And I, I love that. I, I was surprised at the, the guns. There's a lot, a lot of shooting for a movie that has Nickelodeon right at the beginning. You know, uh, the drunkenness surprised me as well, but I uh, wasn't nearly as, I don't know. Captain Haddock kind of bothered me for a few reasons, but anyway, I do. I, I loved it. I thought Tintin was great. So let's kick it over to Chris. Chris, which one are you going to put up? for elimination since i've said one axel said one what do you think is the weakest on our list left all right so ax uh, w- did we just eliminate two while i was gone or only one no no ulrich wanted to eliminate et we both shot him down i put up catch me as you can catch me if you can saying that while i liked it i feel on this list that could be eliminated and since ulrich hasn't seen it he was fine with that but since you're uh, here for anyone who doesn't know behind the scenes, Chris had to pop away for about two minutes, but I was saying that catch me if you can, while being a whimsical and kind of fun movie, it was mostly interesting for me for being like the, well, it's a real guy. I'm going to go look up him afterwards. So. Right. It's um, you know, it falls into the category of, you know, wow, it's really interesting that someone like Spielberg would choose to do this movie. And kind of like you said, with duel, it, it's surprising technically how well he showed up and shot that movie and you know and and because because this guy spielberg gets involved down to like the lowest level with the films he works on right so you know every shot he's in there working it out every the editing room he's in there working it out you know with all of the you know janus kaminsky and all the people so the fact that catch me if you can by any other director would have been just such a simple straightforward biopicker whimsical comedy he made it something more technically but i agree that at this point with the list we have that one drops away so i'm gonna say i wanted to keep it on from the last time a movie we talked about just because i was the only one out of us that had seen it have either of you guys watched lincoln yes that was actually the first that was the first movie after we we uh did this that i went and watched so i want to say that a couple things about it one i was not expecting it to be as funny as it is Right. Uh, and I enjoyed the hell out of that. Like, and that, that, so I knew Dan Day Lewis is great. Like I've never seen a Dan Day Lewis performance that I didn't love. Like even I know some critics are harsh on gangs in New York, but like, I, I love it mostly for Dan Day Lewis's performance in it. It's like, that's the kind of feeling I had for the guy. So I was, I was expecting something good going in. I wasn't expecting Lincoln to be like your favorite grandpa. Who's finds like, you know, weird stories to tell that are relating to whatever the topic is the kind of guy who starts talking and even though he's not loud everyone just shuts up to listen even though he's just telling this kind of weird long story and it's believable you know right they made they made lincoln um and i guess from what they based the entire performance under actual written um written depictions that people had had of knowing him but he came off as this very whimsical very eccentric strange guy instead of, you know, like this pantheon of, you know, 
perfection that people put on him. You know, he was troubled. He had his own demons and his own things, but he just carried himself differently than everybody around him. And it, it was an amazing performance. It's a very small movie. You know, it's yeah. a very small, very laser focused movie, but kind of in the way of Catch Me If You Can, it's so expertly done at being so small that I just wanted to make sure one of you guys got a chance to see it. Um, I don't think it needs to move on, but see, I really I, like it. Let, let me say that I do think it should move on for a couple specific reasons. Before I get that real quick, let me say that I also love how in the performance, it feels like Lincoln is a man. You can see the stress on him i love that and for anyone who doesn't know this isn't a biopic this is like calling it lincoln already feels kind of weird because it's really not about lincoln it's about the passing of the 13th amendment right which is basically his legacy which is an interesting thing to lock onto. but it means that it leaves room for a few other performances i love like tommy lee jones in it plays uh thaddeus stevens i believe is, is his name my history is not as good as it should be and i believe is, you're right yeah and he is excellent in like every so he just cuts people down he doesn't deal with any of the political bullshit but his arc is all about how he has to learn to compromise what he actually believes in to get something that is important to him to happen and it's like a small thing but it's super important to what's happening in the entire story you know a, re a really quick aside there axel because you bring up a really important point um there's a movie that came out right around the same time as this have you guys seen 21 the, yes no, no, it's not 21 42 i meant to say sorry no. wow that's half. So 42 is the movie about Jackie Robinson. Oh, no, I haven't. That's seen another it. one I need to see. Okay. It's not in the Spielberg list, but it just, it, there's a point to this. So Harrison Ford is in that movie. And Harrison Ford plays a manager um, who gives Jackie Robinson his chance. And Harrison Ford is a person that when he shows up in a movie, it's like, oh, cool, look, it's Harrison Ford. He doesn't really have to do much. So a lot of his non-Star Wars, non-Blade Runner movies are kind of just, hey, look, it's Harrison Ford. I feel the same way about Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is so iconic that he can just show up and it's awesome that it's Tommy Lee Jones. But just like Tommy Lee Jones in Lincoln, where I feel Jones disappears into the role he's playing, like it's not a a gimmick that it's Tommy Lee Jones. Like he's playing a character. The exact same thing can be said about Harrison Ford in 42. It's one of the few times I've stood up and gone, Oh my God, like he's giving a Oscar worthy performance in this movie. Um, right, well, and that's that weird coming from Harrison Ford. He, and he's in makeup, a little bit of makeup, not a ton, but it's just, it's not, he's not showboating. You know, it's like Harrison Ford showed up to play a role, not to be the stunt casting. And I felt yeah. the same way. And sorry for that aside, but I felt the same way about Tommy Lee Jones. You know? No, no, that's all right. I will say that the reason, uh, other than just like, you know, aping up the movie, which is a really great movie. And, and considering it's such a small movie, like how well it sucks you in. The reason why I think it's important enough to get onto at least the, the next level, although I won't throw a hissy fit if you guys both voted out. But the argument I'm going to make is that um, every president – quote unquote, every good president anyway, you know, should have a movie or a show or something that is super important, that is good and, you know, indicative of who they are as a person. Oddly enough, I feel like from what I've uh, been told, the, the John Adams series is actually that for George Washington. But anyway, and I feel like I can't think of a Lincoln movie, at least not one that's focused on him. I, I can think of plenty of movies that have Abraham Lincoln in it, but not one that like is as laser focused on lincoln his legacy is so well acted and directed and constructed i feel like in and that it's dealing with this concept of 
corrupt, corrupt politics, good intentions, uh, the importance of rights and what the importance of oaths. Like Lincoln goes on about like he does what he does in order to, to fulfill the oath that he took. I feel like this is an important movie, especially today. Like it feels to me like this is a movie that if any like movie for this president, arguably the greatest president, at least one of, right? It's a super important movie for that reason. And so that's why I will give it my vote to stay. So that makes me the tiebreaker. And I'm listening to you guys' arguments and thinking about how I should vote. And I think ultimately I might have to vote against it for two reasons. One, we got a lot of great movies on here to get through. And two, I've, I don't know how I feel about this argument, but I'm just going to come with it. I have seen these other movies. I have felt the need to go out and watch these other movies. I have not felt the need to go out and watch Lincoln. I will after this when I want to get to, but right, it's well, long. The, and The last thing I will say, like I said, I'm not going to throw a hissy fit, but I will say that me personally, I would cut AI and my report before i would cut lincoln but that's just me well so. we'll get to those but chris put us on lincoln so for the sake of expediency i'm gonna vote against lincoln okay bye-bye all right let's move on let's do a double and do ai and minority report well i basically already gave my points because i would have had lincoln before them so i'll kind of vote against it i was fine with keeping both of them because i feel like both of them are really great sci-fi stories and uh I mean, personally, if I had to keep one of them, I'd probably keep Minority Report only because I like the technology at the center of Minority Report better, even though I think AI is maybe a better constructed movie, but that means I think Minority Report's a better science fiction. That's a complicated, nuanced kind of thing, but you know, I could live without either of them. AI is beautiful in its design, in the way it's shot, but that ending still feels so weird and so out of left field. Chris... You got any words that can maybe, you know, sway us one way or the other on AI? All right. So here's the thing. I look at Spielberg is kind of compartmentalized for me. Um, and I feel that ET, AI, and Minority Report all hit um, a special sweet spot for me. One, they're all kind of in the sci-fi genre. They're all very um, personal stories. You know, Minority Report being about, you know, Tom Cruise losing his son um, AI being about, you know, just the idea of family and companionship and what that means if you live forever. Um, and ET, you know, being about, you know, that bond of friendship doesn't have to be between a human and a human. It can be between a human and whatever else is out there. Um, but you know, I said a lot of what I could say about AI the last time, and I am excited that I rooted for it and got it to stick around here because I won't say it's the best or my favorite Spielberg movie, but it's one of the most interesting to me. And so it, it's just always in my playlist of Spielberg movies. But um, I'm going to say that I think AI and Minority Report can both go. I will say, though, the thing I've always been interested about, and go back and watch them if you get a chance, I think they exist in the same world. I, think, um, I think the events of AI happen... Um, uh, a little bit after Minority Report, but I think they exist in the same world. The tech, the cinematography, the exposure on the filmmaking, they both are very unique-looking movies for Spielberg. The only movie I think he's made recently that even closely resembles them is Ready Player One, and that's only because they're using that aesthetic in a lot of what they do inside the game. Yeah, I could uh, buy that. I love arguments but, uh, like that. So, 
And what's cool about AI and Minority Report, and I like bringing this up because I think it's an interesting bit of trivia. Think about the balls of like a person like Spielberg. They made Minority Report with the extra money left over in the AI production. They wagered two movies to get AI made and just made a Tom Cruise tentpole while they were making AI. So, so it was kind of a surprise, like, no, you know, cause again, it's still in the earlier days of the internet, you know, so we're not getting like the, everybody looking at every set, but when the trailers from minority report dropped, everyone was like, wait a minute, what? Oh, we, we made two <laughs> movies at the same time, basically. What the fuck? I love it. So, so Chris, you can say, and certainly me and you can say that we could fit this into the, well, okay. ET AI minority report are basically filling the same kind of uh, slot. And if we have to choose one of those, me and you both agree we're going to choose E.T. So, Agreed. So there you go. You guys have made me hate E.T. It's, it's not fair. Well, you, did, you didn't make me hate Last Crusade because it's still one of my favorites. I think you're just taking the really I had to hard. get rid of Jurassic Park and Last Crusade, two of my childhood favorites, to preserve E.T. Dude, yes, almost, but, almost every single movie on this list is one of my favorites. I know. That's why this is a fun. This is a fun one. I, well, I, also, I know I'm going to catch shit for my thoughts on ET. I know. Well, also, we're making a points for me. This isn't about favorites, right? If this was about favorites, I would have voted for Last Crusade instead of Raiders. Oh, but same I think thing. Raiders with is more important. If, if this was about favorites, I would have fought somebody with my fists to keep Jurassic Park on here. But you can't have Jurassic Park and Jaws in the same universe. To me, I disagree, but. That time has passed. All right. So for those of you listening at home, we are down to Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Schindler's List, Adventures of Tintin, and Duel. You know what's you interesting? Know, we're, now, we're now in round four, and in round three, we didn't even talk about Schindler's List because basically we all had the silent agreement of, yeah, that ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Schindler's List yet. So on tonight's telethon, if you get us up to $20,000, Schindler's List gets to live. Call oh. now. <laughs> okay, so now we're in round four, right? We're getting to really the end. I'm, I want to go to – I'm looking at this list. I'm saying at this point um, the, the, the big targets are uh, E.T., because while I did argue to get it here, at this point I could, Adventures of Tintin and Duel are my main targets in this round of round four. Yeah. I'm crying right now. Oh, this, this is, is going to be really tough. I'm looking at this. Just with those three, forgetting Jaws, Raiders, and Schindler's List being on this list right now, just those three, I'm actually shaking and sad. <laughs> oh. Here's what I will say, right? I think that at this point, let's, let's go to Adventures of Tintin, because while I loved Adventures of Tintin, it's probably like now in my, if not my, you know, top 10 then definitely my top 20 favorite animated movies maybe my top 20 favorite movies period it was great and but you was, never would have seen it had it not been for me yeah i will definitely thank you chris but i i loved it but at this point we can say okay it is filling as we said the same kind of niche as raiders and at, at this point i think that means we can uh, axe it it, yeah. it goes it goes on the jurassic park correlation to me it just can't exist in the same universe as raiders all right. As for Duel, I think Duel is, uh, from what I've heard, right? Like I said, it's one of the greatest television, made-for-television movies of all time. And I've seen enough television, made-for-television movies to, to understand and agree with that. But it it is, you know, it's 1971. It was, like I said, it uses mostly simple 
camera work and simple directorial tricks to get across it, which is impressive in itself. But that means that I feel like for a majority of people, it's not going to hold up the same as it does for someone like me, someone who, you know, watches old Trek and old who, and isn't bothered by an older looking aesthetic. And while I would still tell someone who is, you know, a fan of movies, yeah, check this out because it's really good. I don't feel it compares to the other four movies on this list. I'll say this because this is my mindset going into the final three, final four. What do we lose by deleting this from history? What do we gain by keeping it? And while from all my understanding, it's a great tension filled, awesome movie. What do we really lose by not having it anymore? I also argue that it fits a similar mold to Jaws. Not quite the same. Yeah. I was thinking the thriller. So here, so here's my take. Um, and I'll use a correlation of another great director here. Christopher Nolan got very, very popular with Memento. Memento was still an art house movie. It was small, but he got very popular with Memento. No one in the mainstream film industry or the movie going public had ever seen the movie following. Even though I think the following is equivalent to Memento in almost every way. I love it. It uses very similar aesthetics, very similar out of sequence storytelling that Nolan is so fond of. But you go back and find following after seeing Memento, not the other way around. Um, I feel Duel's the same way. You find Duel after becoming a fan of Steven Spielberg and going, wow, he was able to do this at like 17 or 18 years old or whatever the hell he was. Holy crap. But it really was the reason he got the job on Jaws. And Jaws is the polar opposite of Duel in how difficult it was to make. Do you know what I mean? Duel, um, you know, probably isn't the easiest film to film either, but you're on the land with trucks and cars and people with a television budget. Jaws is a completely different story. Jaws created the summer blockbuster. So, you know, but Duel and Jaws of everything on this list are really in the same vein. So Duel goes. Also, one last thing I want to say about Duel before, because now we've agreed it goes. Do you feel like the name is a weird choice? Because it doesn't become a duel until literally the last scene. Like, I think it almost would have been more accurate to call it Chase. <laughs> yeah, but duel sounds cooler as a title. That's I know, fair. But- I, think, I think with the way the cover art and everything worked, they were trying to tap into the, uh, the like Grand Theft Auto genre of movies that Ron Howard got his start making them. Quentin Tarantino is obsessed with them. Those car exploitation movies. I think with the, the they were trying to get that that you know type of person to come and see this movie yeah i i understand that i i can agree with that i, just, I think it's weird just because like literally 90 percent of the movie is this guy trying to get away from the truck not trying to like counter and fight the truck which would be what a duel is i just i thought it was weird it's a little weird i still love the movie but well, it's true awesome. very very true you're you're flipping through channels are you gonna watch chase or are you gonna watch duel i don't know you had a the in front of it the chase sounds like you know, interesting. Okay. All right. So final four, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. and Schindler's List. And what a final four they are. This is a lot of people's, well, okay. I would say this is a lot of people's childhoods, but if you watch Schindler's List as a childhood, we share a childhood. I mean, yeah. Wow. If we're, if we're considering this the next round, thus round five. So our, our uh, semifinals, essentially, then the goal is to eliminate two movies from this list. Oh, we're going to go for two. Uh, that's how a semifinal works, man. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is going to kill me, man. So much stress. 
And unfortunately, as much as I fought you earlier, I my targets are set on ET. So I feel like at this point, I'm now comfortable. I'm okay at this point with letting ET go. So many better movies fell before it. I will disagree you with you. You just on that. have to keep going and twisting the knife. Yes, because I'm going to get shit from people going, how come Ulrich hates E.T.? How come Ulrich hates Batman? They're going to drag up all the stuff about me. And you know what? I'm giving into my heel role. I'm a heel now. Don't worry, Chris. Me and you will get revenge on him some hey, point for this. You're, you're not the one that called Spielberg the OG alt-right. So that was yeah, all. That's true. That, that, that yeah. might uh, shield me. That hurt me, though. <laughs> and I'm on your oh, side. Oh, it hurt me. It hurt me to say it so much. <laughs> But it was funny. Okay, so I think we've had a circle of hurt now. All right, so uh, Jaws, Raiders, or Schindler's List? Fine. I mean, I know which one. I know which one I will make an argument for, but I don't want to. Okay, how about how about this? This There's is like the friggin' Kobayashi Maru right here. No, <laughs> this is not. This is not how this goes. I was really hoping one of the three of these got knocked off by one of the two of you earlier, so I didn't have to deal here, with here. this. How about this? I can make this. Uh, we can make this mathematical. Although this is that's like gonna picking hurt. which one of your children to shoot. <laughs> yes, I I understand that. So, what if? And for time slot, we can talk about it afterwards. But everyone, um, give your your order of one, two, three. Right, just your personal order. Right, regardless of any other's argument. And then whichever one gets the quote unquote highest number goes, and we can talk about what that means. Right. All right. So, like, for me, I'll start. My personal ordering of this would be Raiders 1, Schindler's List 2, Jaws 3. I was hoping you'd do like me, because I'm Raiders 1st, Jaws 2nd, Schindler's List 3rd. Which means that Schindler's List and Jaws are both on the chopping block. I can make an argument for Schindler's List if I have to. See, here's the problem. Before I heard the two of you guys talk, they're in the order of one, two, three for me. Oh, but that makes I feel like that's so awful to do to Schindler's list. Oh, <laughs> you're you put Schindler's list at third? <laughs> and they're in the order that I want them, like right now, but oh Okay, so that means just for a second, so that means that we're forced to get Schindler's list, which is I kind of want Schindler's List to win at the end. I just, I like Raiders. I think Raiders is more important, but fuck, man. Well, if you, list if, is... you list, if you list them all together, like all the original movies we had, and you go through it, everyone in their mind, you know, you, you never think of one, but you go, of course Schindler's at the top of the list. Of course Schindler's at the top of the list. But putting it up against these three and how important it is to the entire career and existence of this guy, I mean, does Schindler's List get – I mean, it, it, it's like the quintessential movie about the Holocaust. It's a movie about the Holocaust that found a way to have an uplifting, you know, message of um, – a message of hope instead of message of fear and hatred, you know, that uh, – and, and yet I still can't – I can't put it at the top of my list. That's that that's exactly how I felt too, which is why it was second on mine. It's like this Schindler's List is, I think, one of the most important movies ever made. Period, and it's literally only because it's up against Jaws and Raiders right now that I feel like. And that's the thing. There's there's three criteria here, right? We're not playing favorites, so I'll leave favorites to the side. But there's importance to the career. Will the world be worse off? You know what I mean from a filmmaking standpoint, and I. 
I can't live in a world without Jaws or Raiders. I just can't see it. So this is going to be so hard. But Schindler is just like the most minuscule amount of points lower than those two for me. Yeah. And I'll condense my argument. But basically, if I have these three movies and I have to show it to everybody, I can show Jaws more or less to everybody. I can show Raiders more or less to everybody. If I show Schindler's List to everybody, it's like, oh, well, there goes the mood of the party. I mean, this is a hard watch. It is a fantastic film. Probably in terms of pure technical uh, technical achievement, it is the best of the three. But Jaws and Raiders make me happy and help me on with my day. Schindler's List puts me out for the week. So here's another thing. So if we talk about brand for a minute, because we are talking about a filmmaker here that had a whole career and we're trying to leave the one thing that quintessentially talks about them. Schindler's List falls in the category with The Post and Lincoln. Um, They're very, very, very serious, very important historical films. But are they as iconic from what they say about the director? You know, Schindler's List is a personal movie for Spielberg, right? Spielberg is a Jewish filmmaker. Um, It brought people to, you know the concentration camps, the ending shots of that movie are very similar to the opening shots of saving private Ryan and saving private Ryan falls in that category right there. They're all very specific movies that are kind of laser focused where jaws and Raiders defined the filmmaker. They defined the entire brand that this guy has been pushing and pieces of those movies can be seen in everything else he's made where Schindler's list is a byproduct of that. That's his passion project. It's like, you know, I hate to put Steven Spielberg and Michael Bay in a similar category because they're not, but if you've ever seen pain and gain, it's still stylistically the same movie Michael Bay has made, but I would call pain and gain one of the only good films that, idiot has ever made and everything else is more stylistically him but Spielberg everything he touches is pretty much gold so if you're gonna leave like we'll we'll call this like the time capsule to leave for the future it has to be Jaws or Raiders okay so I think we all agree this is a total three to three vote for Schindler's List no one's getting left out in the cold right yeah unfortunately shoot myself in the foot but yeah I apologize to every single survivor of the holocaust and yeah, that, that was not an easy one. decision yeah we chose the the shark movie and the adventure movie <laughs> hey the adventure movie has punching nazis so we we got that okay oh, so oh, there was an argument we didn't have dude so in schindler's list the nazis still got away with the bullshit they were doing in fucking raiders god kills all the nazis <laughs> there, there's the one there we go that's our excuse okay that means with the rest of the time code, we have to figure out Jaws and Raiders. And if you, for our, our final round, round six, and if you guys will indulge me for a second here, I want to say that this, looking at this, is fascinating for me because my brain has kept hopping back and forth for different reasons. I know I just put Jaws below Raiders in the uh, in my three list, but I started thinking, okay, think about, put my biases with Jaws aside, right? Because like Ocean, stuff like that, and I'm actually that scared of it, but think about its impact as a movie and think about Raiders impact as a movie. Like one of the first things that I thought of is like, okay, well, what did Raiders do? And then my first thought was, well, it kind of created the superhero. But I thought, no, James Bond kind of created the superhero. And people have argued that Raiders is 
basically doing a James Bond kind of thing, but uh, but it, you know, evolved in different way but that means it's maybe less original than jaws because jaws while there were monster movies before there wasn't a monster movie like jaws i mean there's a reason why they say jaws invented the summer blockbuster it so i'm just doing this like you know jaws is more of a you know this not an ensemble piece but we've got like several main characters that their dynamics and their names with shark dynamics with nature you've got all these rich themes raiders is while it has other characters it's primarily a single focused hero piece and an adventure story it, Oh, I don't even know where I'm going. I just, I'm exhausted. I got an idea because I've been thinking on this and we talked about what is the impact from this movie. Raiders reminded us why we hate Nazis. Jaws made us afraid of sharks and ecologically, I don't know if we've ever really recovered from that. And I know that's a really loose thread to hang, you know, on, but let's be honest. Jaws did no favor for an endangered species. Okay. So you're saying that in, in real world impact, you're giving a point to Raiders. So let's 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 try to make this like several arguments to see what what comes out. Because of course we're not going to be able to hinge it on a single thing. I mean maybe we can, but we got to find that there. So right, we 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 just have to argue it till we all somehow agree. Somehow. How about this? You made a comment, Chris, uh, with Schindler's List about um, it being less, for lack of a better term, on brand. Now I'm not saying by any means that jaws is off-brand but looking at the rest of this filmography i feel like raiders is more just slightly more definitive of spielberg's stylistic choices of his directing style than jaws is would you agree or disagree you okay (laughs) whoo yeah Um, i know i know i just have to put so 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 I'm, i'm gonna remind you before I speak, and I'm going to remind everybody here, Jaws and Ghostbusters are my two favorite films ever made. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is also one of my favorite films ever made. And, oh my god, um, you're making an argument for me to move... You really are convincing me to start moving my arrow away from Jaws. I would have to agree with that statement. But not, you know, flip the other way. But Jaws has so many great quotes and great lines. Oh, smile, you son of a bitch. It's like a doll's eyes. But Jaws also gave us so many bad sequels. And Raiders only really gave us one. All right, but so so hold on. Just for trying to keep us on track. We, we gave for practical output or practical consequences and on brand, we both edged out to Raiders. Here's one I definitely give to Jaws. I think in overall cinematic impact, personally, I give that point to Jaws because, again, created the blockbuster. And while you can see the effects of both these movies throughout time, I feel like Jaws had just a bit more of a straight-up visceral impact on how Hollywood functions, on how everyone within Hollywood works. So I'd give I'd give that bit of the needle to, to Jaws personally. I'm still split 50-50. I don't like this. So here's so here's another one in Jaws's favor, um, kind of similar to what we were already saying. I feel, and I hate using the term elevated, um, and I'm not going to use it, but this is the kind of place where that term could be used. But with recent films that have come out in in the horror genre, um critics and the academy awards and things are starting to recognize horror again is something that can be 
as good as a drama or as a high-end comedy or as a fantasy film because we finally let the Lord of the Rings into the Oscars and all this other stuff. Jaws is the perfect example of a script that was written to be um, a summer blockbuster before they existed, but it was written to be like a drive-in horror slasher film with a shark. That's what they were going for. Peter Benchley still feels that that's the movie they made, even though that's a completely other issue. The guy who wrote the book. Um, But Spielberg didn't make that. And the reason he didn't make that is because the production was so troubled. it's, It's why I always say that the best of the Star Wars films, even though I still feel the best Star Wars film that was ever made, The Empire Strikes Back, wasn't directed by the creator of Star Wars. And, you know, up until episode one came out george lucas had only made one star wars film but it's that thing of the star wars films work as well as they do for me because of all the new technology they had to create all of the struggle they had to go through to get that movie made and the same thing could be said for jaws their shark didn't work so the film was supposed to have all of these scenes with the shark they got cut out or they couldn't film. So they had to go to the shark view camera and they had to come up with entire improv lines of dialogue involving the USS Indianapolis and Quint and all of this other stuff that were, it shouldn't have worked. It was so troubled. Spielberg thought he was going to lose his job and it's one of the most celebrated films of its kind ever made. And well, I also believe that Raiders is, you know, one of the best films of Steven Spielberg's career. I almost feel like even though Raiders came early, Raiders wasn't quite as difficult to make as Jaws. Raiders was almost like flexing my muscles a little bit. Like, you know what? I got this. Raiders has a level of confidence and and creativity, of course. But Jaws feels like at any moment it could just fall apart out from under itself, and it never does. So, and so that's why I feel a point for Jaws. So I, I'd say the way to phrase that, at least from what I'm understanding, is that Jaws' success is in itself impressive and the sheer ability to pull something that successful out of that much trouble is a testament to what good filmmaking is and can be more so than Raiders, which is more like skilled people doing skilled work and, and it, and it working as opposed to skilled people and doing troubled work and it working. Well, when I think about the pedigree of Raiders, right? You've got, George Lucas, fresh off of Star Wars, um, and his best buddy Steven Spielberg, writing a script together with, um, you know, the director of The Big Chill being their screenwriter, who's actually writing the damn thing down. You know, this is well-practiced gentlemen at that point coming together and making a movie about basically like a, a character that would have been in a 1940s radio serial. So they're all working off of established things. Whereas Jaws kind of took a script that wasn't written by Spielberg. He didn't have any control over it. He was a contract for hire director, right? And turned it into something else. He turned it into something that people really hadn't seen before. All right. I I can totally buy that. I've got an argument that for me is a point to Raiders. But if you say it's a point to Jaws, I'm not going to disagree, right? But comparing these two movies, there's a concept. I don't know if I have words for this, but... I'm thinking about why do you go to a movie? 
Why? Like, what is the point, right? There, I mean, there are as many different answers. At the end of the day, it's engagement, really. No matter what, whether you're engaged because you're afraid, you're engaged philosophically, you're in, engaged just because something takes you to a fantasy. The, the whole thing is uh, to pull you in, right? So the experience of a movie, or really of any sort of you know, fictional entertainment, or not even fictional, any sort of entertainment is that. But So what does make some movie special, separate from other mediums what makes a movie's engagement unique compared to a book's engagement compared to a radio plays engagement and compared to even a video games engagement right what's unique about a movie and i feel like for me personally what's unique about a movie is what i'm going to call uh passive grandness which is there's a thing that movies accomplish by by having you be this observer to something that is far beyond what generally your life is even movies that are trying to tap into what everyday life is the they're engaging you by by that very connection which is itself grand if that makes any sense so when i think about jaws and raiders stylistically what they're doing is very separate things raiders is this larger than life story about this larger than life character going on a larger than life adventure and bringing you along literally he's He's it's roller coaster as movie almost, but with you know more going on. Obviously, Jaws is a lot more of a contemplative piece. I mean, it's got a giant shark, but one of the big things that is always impressive about Jaws is how it doesn't require the shark in order to build tension. It doesn't show up very much. A lot of the best scenes are people talking about their experiences, about their feelings. It's for lack of a better term, I think Jaws could function similarly not quite to the same level at of course but similarly in book form and so could raiders because of course those kind of novel things exist but i feel like raiders ever so slightly edges out jaws on making use of the tools of being a movie in order to deliver on its promise its premise its engagement it uses that a little more not saying the Jaws doesn't. Hell, the just the image of the fin in the water is movie using its tools to engage. But I just feel like because more of Raiders uses those tools, whereas a lot of Jaws is based on dialogue and conversation, uh, even though that is acting itself. Again, it's such a small, small thing, but I'd give Raiders a point for, for that, personally. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to lean Raiders for a few simple reasons. One... If we look at it, if we delete Jaws, we still get Jurassic Park. That's still going to happen. So we get our monster movie. We're not going to get another Indiana Jones. If we delete Indiana Jones, we're not probably not going to get another Indiana Jones down the line. Second, if we delete Indiana Jones, the Nazis win. Because we already let, we already let them have Schindler's List. We already let Chris have his racist tirade. <laughs> That's for E.T. Um, I, I would say that... I the, had a the, racist tirade for E.T.? <laughs> Yes. Oh man, I can't wait to meet you guys. <laughs> I okay. I would say that without Raiders, we still have James Bond. There's a similarity there. Not the it's same, not obviously, from Spielberg but... though. We're we're dealing within the center. And lastly, my biggest point is look at the damage that Jaws did to the perception of the shark and what that has done on the ecological level. Raiders has not had that same negative impact outside of itself. Again, See, the worst thing about Raiders was it made us hate Nazis and. There's nothing wrong with hating Nazis. See, I, I like I all right. I biases on the table. I like Raiders more. And that's exactly why I'm trying to attack this as 
objectively as possible because if at the end of this conversation i vote raiders i don't want it to just be because i like raiders more i want to have something more concrete and i feel like we're making good arguments that are edging raiders over so i that's i just wanted to have my bias on the table there because i feel unfair to not mention that from my perspective like chris jaws is literally like tied for your favorite movie so i feel like if if the arguments can edge you there, I'll feel more comfortable, you know? Yeah, I think Chris is No, I, I, I agree. So so I've been thinking about a thought and yes, thinking about a thought. That's my my two AM or one AM um, hey, that's abstract thinking out there. That's, yes, that's I abstract thinking. Schrodinger's thoughts are not in the box. Um so anyway, Jaws, even if it disappears off this list, I will always say that I feel Jaws is a better achievement and a better film than Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the thought that I am having is that Jaws, especially living where I live in New England, is a very, what's the word? It's a very, um, it's something I see every day. You see fishermen, you see the water, you see boats. You don't necessarily see sharks, but all of the places that movie takes you outside of the visceralness of seeing people go through the experience are very familiar. But growing up in a Catholic household, well, not necessarily in the Catholic household, my parents weren't that religious, but going to Catholic school, now this is what's popping into my head. I'm seeing a movie that I'm not, I'm, I'm actually not a very religious guy at all. In fact, I think that a lot of that is the worst thing that can happen to society. But Spielberg is, you know, probably lapsed and has different outlooks on it, but the Indiana Jones movies, they always get to play around with this religious, which ties in with historical theological fiction um, that I absolutely love. And I love that Indiana Jones takes you from the familiar, which is, you know, your, you know, um, guy in the rainforest, you know, chasing aboriginals to steal gold items, which is, you know, really what the 1940s serials were. And then brings you into this, having to, you know, decide if you have faith in something more. And I don't care what that is, what McGovern gets you there, whether it's aliens, whether it's, you know, prehistoric beasts showing up, or whether it's the fact that God's going to come out and kill a bunch of fucking Nazis, because that's literally what happens in this movie. But the movie does this incredible thing where it it brings you in and it gives you familiar things. And as a little kid watching this movie, it's like, oh my God, that's the Ark of the Covenant. I've read about that in school. Oh my, and, and like it, it brings in the Nazis. Oh yeah. And the Nazis, this is a very classic bad guy and they were a real world bad guy. So there's, there's that tie in with reality and just the excitement of seeing how that movie paces itself to get to its incredible climax where the shit hits the fan and Nazis start melting and all this stuff. It goes from grounded in the reality of the fiction where we've seen characters like this do this to taking them to a very fantastical place. And I think for that spectacle and the fact that that's handled with such an expert grasp on how to pace that, that I think um, Raiders is the Spielberg film that has to stay um, for me after, after all those arguments and it's hard and it makes me cry a little bit, but um, I absolutely love it. So why shouldn't I be happy? I mean, it sounds to me like we've come to a consensus. <laughs> and I did not gone. see this going that way. 
I will admit, Bye like Chris said, when I first saw the list, my eyes went to Schindler's list, and I thought that was gonna be the end. But when it came, yeah, when it came time, you know, fist fists up, like you know, make your choice. It seems like the Geeks with Shields, and I'm including you now, Chris. You're official or otherwise, you're a Geek with Shields, as far as I'm concerned. We uh, we say Raiders is the the Spielberg movie that is is you know in our our universe where one Spielberg movie stays, we take Raiders with us. Holy shit, that was a lot harder than I anticipated. And so much fun. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, love I, the excuse to talk about movies, especially great movies. So, The thing is, I hated debate in school because um, it was never about topics that I was interested in. <laughs> and this, I, I could do this forever. This was wonderful. I don't think this classifies as an official debate. Well, no, we got to, we got you, two as an official things. debate. You you attacked my childhood, sir. You went after my childhood. All's fair in love and war. I had to give up uh, Jurassic Park, Last Crusade, Saving Private Ryan. I yeah, mean, those I are know. touchstones we, for we me. We all had to give them up, Ulrich. You you weren't alone. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how this isn't about favorites. If this was about favorites, I would have just kept fighting for Last Crusade over and over because that's my my favorite yeah you know if last crusade had been the indiana jones movie that was last i probably still would have gone for last crusade over jaws now that i'm thinking about it Uh, (laughs) i didn't think that i did not think that raiders was going to be the last one to be honest with you i didn't think it was going to be an indiana jones film i thought it was going to be like jaws and shinders yeah i mean we all surprised but when when push came to shove here's where we ended up i'm i'm happy about it like especially i hadn't thought about like that the whole argument I made about Raiders using the tools of movie as a medium, I didn't pre-plan that. It just came to me while we were talking about Jaws versus Raiders. Now I have a new way of thinking and or talking about movies in general, which is how well do they apply specifically the tools of film. So, All right, next time we do this, we're going to do it with a director we have less personal connection to because I can't do this again. Well, you can't do this oh, again. Oh, come soon. on! It's fun. <laughs> what we need to do is someone needs to keep track of who wins, and we need to like make like a hall of fame. We keep oh, no. all the scripts behind, so we could totally oh, do that. Eventually, oh, eventually, when we get through ten of these, let's say ten directors. Oh no! Then a, we're gonna uh, put them up against each other. Oh god! Yep. We'll put those ten movies up against each other. Then that's what we'll do. Oh, oh that means we're gonna have to put Raiders up against other people's films and. I'm going to get so angry. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> we'll mix in some bad directors for, you know, ease of uh, Oh, choice. do we want to put like Roger Corman or Uwe Boll on here? Imagine oh, God, trying no. to decide. Imagine trying to decide which Uwe Boll movie we're going to allow to stay. <laughs> Sorry, no. patron. No, no patron can pay me to say positive things about Uwe Boll. No, no, no. I don't want to watch I any agree. of his movies. No. Oh, All come right, on. You uh... haven't seen like the fourth in the name of the King film? I watched the first one because I thought it sounded interesting, and then I watched like anyway, oh, this is garbage. We're going, we're going negative, guys. Let's Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, amazing. Let's go to suggestions of the week. We're gonna get copyrighted. It's less than fifteen seconds. We're fine. That doesn't matter. Ah, <laughs> that's where you're wrong. Anyway, right. I'll just cut us in. My suggestion of the week is a show called Gotham, which is not great. It's just that I've been watching it, and I got into season two, and season two is actually just so much better than season one. All right, I'm, I'm in a rush. Sorry, let me slow down a bit. Gotham. It's basically Batman, but before Batman existed. You all know how we at Geeks with Shields feel about Batman, but 
goddamn if his rogues aren't amazing. And uh, it's a fun, basically procedural. It's basically like the Law and Order, but with you know Gotham Batman characters. And I actually am enjoying it quite a bit. I enjoy the Penguin. I enjoy Riddler. It's very fun. It's a fun show. I'm curious if you're going to make it to the end because I made it to the final season, which is airing now. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. But Slagathor wants us to finish it, and I'm kind of tempted. But then I saw their Joker reveal, and it's like, um, well, this it's such a mixed bag. I'm in season two right now, and I'm enjoying it. It's just that this is the thing I've been watching this last week. So there you go. I just know season three is really the watershed for a lot of people. All right. I have not seen Gotham. I would say, uh, have you seen Arrow? Yes. Okay. Structurally, it's basically the same thing as Arrow, except its main character is an actual cop. So it's got a bit more like procedural in it. And because it's dealing with Batman villains, the villains are a little more, well, so far anyway, the villains are a little more interesting. Like, I don't know the name of the actor, but the guy playing Edward Nigma is, I love it. There's this scene in season two where he quote unquote becomes the Riddler that is I thought a really good just piece, like a, almost like a good short movie on its own. Like I've, you, if you took his whole story and separated it from the rest of it, I'd watch just that. Like he's great. So yeah, Edward Nigma is always one of my favorite um, Batman characters, and I've seen clips of that guy playing him. And I, I know the show gets a lot of mixed feelings, but that alone made me want to see more of it. I will say that. Yep. Anyway. So what do you got for Chris? Oh, you want me to go? Okay, um, that's fine. So uh, um, I thought it was fitting, and I won't go into spoiler territory because I don't – have either of you guys seen Shazam? Actually, if you remember, when, it was my suggestion of the week when we did part one of this. Oh, you saw it. Okay, cool. I, I had forgotten about that. Don't mind me. Yeah, well, I, now, I, I've, I, now I've seen Shazam, and I, I'll probably mirror things that you said, but um, – uh, I just want to say that I think Shazam is the best Superman movie we've gotten since the Christopher Reeve ones. And that's how <laughs> I'll leave it. I loved it. You know, what's funny for a lot of younger fans who don't know, like when Shazam, who was of course, orig- this is well known. He was originally called Captain Marvel, but back when he was Captain Marvel in the, I don't want to say the forties, right. Uh, there actually was a lawsuit where the, the, the creators were sued for making a character that was too similar to Superman at the time. So Shazam comics sold better than Superman. Well, it makes sense. Cause that, I mean, the power fantasy of a child becoming Superman, which is essentially what that was. That's, that's a strong power fantasy right there. Yeah. And I just have to say again, without, without blowing anything, I, I apologize that I God, this shows how much of a memory I have. Um, I had forgotten you talked about it, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm telling people to see it when it's actually out. So everyone can see it now. But, uh, you know, the thing that I was so taken aback by is I thought when I saw the trailers that it was going to be more of a a course correction for the DC films in a cynical way, but instead it took existing themes that they had and just directed them towards something that was focused and it felt completely different as a brand from the Marvel movies. It felt more unsafe. It felt more... Um, like the real world um, instead of, you know, a place where, you know, you know, these superheroes can bounce each other around and no one can die and yada, yada, yada. Instead, it felt more like a guardians of the galaxy film where it's like, Oh, we're kind of making this up as we go, but we're very confident and we're very confident. And the kids stuff is charming and heartwarming and good. And the, 
movie story, there's actual stakes to like what's going on. And it, it felt like a 1990s new line movie, which is what they were going for. And, and I, I really dug it. And I think uh, everyone should go see it because it's, it's worthy in my opinion. <laughs> what's funny about that. And what I love is right. One of the, the whole impetus of, or that's not the right word, but the whole Christopher Nolan, Batman that we talked many times before, led to the DCU being the way it was, was originally like, all right, make a Batman story that feels like it takes place in the real world. Realistic, quote unquote. What that ended up creating was dark and edgy and gritty and annoying. So the fact that, and I agree with you on this, Shazam feels like it's real while still feeling optimistic about itself and not losing the comic in comic book, you know? Like, God damn, that movie's funny. Uh is such a wonderful thing that it showing you can have realism without sacrificing joy. If that means anything. Now I'm going to try and go see it on Thursday. Last thing I'll say about Shazam, cause I'm just adding into Chris's thing. There's a theme. I'm not going to say what the theme is because it's got a few different themes, but it's got one major theme that I was super impressed at how it tied in like every aspect, right? Even down to the solution to the problems gets tied very directly to this theme in such an impressive way. Like I rarely see movies of any kind do that. And anyway, it impressed the hell out of me. Okay. Well, I'm going to suggest a movie that may have the most interesting title of the year. And it is the man who shot Hitler and then killed Bigfoot. Did either of you, have you either of you guys heard about this one at all? No, I hadn't heard about it till you told me about it. And now I have to see it. Uh, it's starring Sam Elliott. And it is one of the most interesting movies I've seen in a while. And basically the story is Sam Elliott was a soldier in World War II who was contracted in a secret mission to go and kill Hitler. And then many years later, he is contracted by the government to kill Bigfoot because Bigfoot is carrying a deadly pathogen. And Sam Elliott is one of the few people that's immune to it. It is a really simple story, mainly about a man, and it's serious. I mean, the name kind of makes you think it's going to be a comedy, but it's really more just an exploration of this guy's life, what he's been through. It cuts back and forth between him as a man, as a young man, what he went through before the war, what he went through going up to kill Hitler, how he killed Hitler, and him as a current man, and his building up to hunt and kill Bigfoot. And you really get the sense like he's uh, kind of a recluse almost. And it's really interesting to see how he got there from where he did. And the one bit I will spoil that's really interesting, that really hits home, is he's talking with a guy and he's like, you killed Hitler. That must have you know been this greatest moment. You ended this tyranny. And he says, the problem was by the time I killed him, he was just a man. His ideas had taken root. He had become more than that. And when I killed him, I just killed a man, not an idea. And it was this emotional gut punch when you kind of pause and think about it going, yeah, because Nazis continued on afterwards. We're still dealing with them today. It's very relevant. And it's just, it's a really fascinating story about this guy. I still haven't fully digested my thoughts on it, but it's an interesting movie to say the least. All right, interesting is good at the very least. I, for some reason, you're just you, the the description in the name. I just suddenly thought of Iron Sky, which is probably not fair to the movie that you're uh, talking about. But yeah, the name makes you think it's a comedy, but it's not. 
like I say, it's just kind of a character study about this guy. And by the end of the movie, you really kind of do feel sorry for him. You get the complete picture of his life and you just kind of go, oh, and it's Sam Elliott acting his, you know, heart out. And I mean, come on. Has the guy ever been bad in a movie? Not once. Correct. All right. So that's our suggestions of the week. Uh, this is the part of the show where we let Chris, you know, plug himself because he was nice enough to come on and help us go through this brutal process and put up with all my jabs about E.T. First of all, and I'm going to say this and I mean it, I think I like being on your show more than I like doing my own. So thank you guys for that. Thanks. I mean, I mean, I, I love my shows, but there's something about um, there's something about not being in charge every once in a while. That's uh, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. <laughs> and you guys, you know, already have a brand and you already run your show. So I really appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, so, t- so time to plug me. Um, first of all, in plugging me, what I always say is that if you're following me and you just found Geeks with Shields because you saw that I'm on this, please follow them. Please contribute to their Patreon. Um, they're putting out this in the Geeks Who Haunt, which are both fantastic podcasts. And um, I think you guys uh, will really dig them. So listen to them. Give them your patronage, especially if you're already giving me yours. Um, you know, I've been looking into my numbers. There's a lot of you. There's in the thousands, in the multi-thousands that download my show every month, including these two guys um, who are already patrons of mine. So any of you guys out there that aren't yet that would like to become one, I'm putting out at least four shows a month. So are these guys. If you give me a buck, that's a quarter a show. Um, and if I get to $300, you're going to win some Blockbuster Bend Oregon stickers. So keep it up. Um, cause I, uh, want to be able to keep making these for you and having two kids and a life and a day job, um, putting time aside to do this isn't free for me. Um, so it's, it's good to, you know, be able to have that extra incentive to keep working on it. I don't have to do other jobs. Um, so again, I'm Chris Chipman. That's at the chip on Twitter, patreon.com slash the chippa. You can also find me on YouTube, Chris Chipman, and I run the Chipman brothers tangent with my brother, movie, Bob. Um, I run the Creating Geeks podcast with my wife, Sarah, the Talkbuster podcast, which I just had my second interview with a member of the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, Ryan Harding, the assistant store manager. You can check that out when you're listening to this. And I hope to have them on basically until that store doesn't exist anymore. I'm going to keep having people from that place on because I love talking to them. And also I do shooting the shit with Chippa which is, you know, just more of the same of having interesting people on and talking um, about stuff like this. So I've got some exciting guests coming up on that as well. Thank you guys for the ability to plug my stuff. Well, thank you for coming on. And man, you do like what you said, four different podcasts, or I've listened to uh, like all of them at one point or another, but doing four different ones, that's, that's a lot of um, what's the word dedication. And uh, yeah, I, I got addicted um, after doing so my friends, Tim and Corinne do cinema inspection and they were really the first podcast I had ever been on. And, uh, Bob asked me to do one with him that the, he then surprised me and told me it was mine and I got to name it and it was kind of setting me up to have a creative outlet. And I, I couldn't stop, you know, I wanted to include my wife. We came up with that one. Um, I wanted to do one about blockbuster that originally I conceived as like a welcome to night Vale style story driven podcast that just existed within a blockbuster. And then I said, why should I create events when all of these people that I've gone through this with, you know, we have great stories to tell already. And so I decided to do it that way and um, people really like it. And then 
shooting the shit was just my my idea of I really like doing the tangent and I'd like to have other people on the tangent, but it's kind of, you know, people are expecting it to be me and Bob. So I wanted to give myself an offshoot where I could have the same type of conversations, but have it be almost like a late night interview show where I have a new person hawking something new every episode. So that's the idea. You need to get a band now because that's all I'm thinking is, you know, late night talks with the right, get like, get dad jokes and, and a hype guy. Bob does a great job from that from that video. Wasn't that awesome? You guys, need I can to just see him now sitting in you know the band pit, just smiling, laughing at your jokes. Yeah, you need to do that now. <laughs> Dangly parts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's the show. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Most importantly, that share part because it's the only way we're going to get views on this. And also, my contractually obligated job is to promote our SoundCloud, which is, is where we have all every episode we've ever released. We also put things out on YouTube, so if you're watching us on one or the other, we're, there's also that uh, on SoundCloud that you can download and stuff. We're, we're looking into a few other options. Uh, Libsyn, I believe, is one that Chris has actually recommended to us that we're looking into. But if there's any particular platform that you would prefer us to be on that would be easier for you so we could you know be lumped into your other podcasts, let us know, and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.